Welcome, you're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. This is your host, John Marchalero, and this week my guest is Smiles Text Expander Evangelist, Jeff Gamut. Jeff, welcome back to the show. John, I feel like it's been forever since we've had the opportunity to talk, and uh, it, it's awesome to be here and to get to hear your voice. Yeah, it's great to have you back on the show and hear your voice as well. So when I talked to you last, you had just made the transition to Smile. And now that it's been a year, I want to ask you some questions about that process. For the listeners, Jeff is the former managing editor at the Mac Observer, a position he held for 13 years. He's a book author and a noted podcaster. And about a year ago, Jeff left the Mac Observer to become the Smile Text Expander Evangelist. So now that you've got a year under your belt, I want to ask you some questions. Awesome. I I am all yours. Ask away. So what have been your biggest accomplishments? It sounds like a job interview. What have been your biggest accomplishments (laughs) and and challenges in your new job? Uh, Let's see. Biggest accomplishments? Uh, Learning a completely new uh, field. Because when... Okay, so spending about 20 years in the tech journalism blogging world and i i had i had that pretty much under my belt you know i i knew what i was doing and moving over to smile as a text expander evangelist i was moving into a completely different career where i had skills that uh were or are useful and yet, at the same time, it was like I was starting from scratch, because at, when you're working with uh, with a marketing team, it's a very different thing than working with a bunch of people that are that are creating news. So that I would say has been the biggest accomplishment: uh, learning the the new world and how I fit into it. Did you feel any pressure to uh, like make your mark or prove yourself or? Do something that nobody had done before or anything like that? Just curious. No, not really. Um, it, I, the pressure that I felt was, uh, I would say it, it's really self-imposed pressure where, where I just wanted to do good. And, and I realized early on that a big thing for me with this is education. And so I I really wanted to help people to learn. When you started your job, you probably had some sort of vision based on your uh, hiring process about what the job would be like. Now that you've got Mm -hmm. 13 months under your belt, how has your vision of the job changed? See, now that's interesting because Coming into the job, um, I I had a, a vision of what I thought it could be, mm-hmm. and everyone at Smile they, they were in the same boat. An idea of what it could be because this is a brand new position. Uh, Smile has never had a product evangelist before, so how does that fit in with everything else the company is doing? And that that's a question that that we asked. Uh, in the beginning and and rightly so continue to ask and i think as as what i do evolves and as the company grows 
that that's a question that we should always be asking. So in one sense, I, I feel like my job is is always in a state of uh, a flux because it is evolving. And I think it, it will just always evolve. So in that sense, yeah, well, it, it turns out that the job that I'm doing doesn't exactly match the vision that I had or the vision that anyone at Smile had. And that's okay. Probably, I, I because, think, probably because you and the co-founders helped you in a partnership create the vision together. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as we have been uh, learning more throughout the year that that I've been there, um, yeah, it's been a thing where it's it's been evolving. And I, I really believe it will continue to evolve. If it doesn't, actually, I would be concerned about that because my fear would be that we are looking at what I do and what I bring to the company in a myopic way. And, and if we extend this out like really long term, the assumption that, that, uh, say t- 10 years from now, I'm the only product evangelist at the company, um, that, that seems kind of myopic to me. And so if we're, if we are not always looking at, what I'm doing and then what I could be doing and how that fits in with everything else the company does that will stagnate. And then ultimately I think that would, uh, that, that would be bad for, for everyone involved, including the whole company. I come from aerospace. I don't want to make this sound like again, like a job interview, but is there any kind of written plan of progression with goals and things like that. We see that stuff in business and aerospace all the time. Of course. Um, a, a lot of what I do is, is public forward where I'm out at events. I'm at conferences. I'm at meetups and user groups. I'm on podcasts. Um, but there's also a lot that happens behind the scenes, which ultimately means exactly what, what, everyone deals with in a, in a company and that's lots of spreadsheets. So, you you know, you have to keep track of what you're doing and you have to keep track of, of the ideas that everyone has for what we can be doing. And then you have to evaluate how those things perform and, and you need to make short-term and long-term planning goals and uh, and evaluate those sure yeah yeah so so yes there there's a lot written and uh, and there are definitely a lot of spreadsheets you probably felt with some trepidation i'm guessing that you left uh, an important family of your life behind i assume you have a, a new family now and you have two families one I old do. one and one emerging well See, it's interesting for me because I, I have the, the Mac Observer family and everyone at Mac Observer to me is still family and that won't change. Um, everyone at Mac Observer has a special place in my heart. And with Smile, that is a place where I have another family. And the interesting thing for me is that family existed on some level before I ever worked for the company. 
because I already knew the founders and several other people in the company. These are people that I were inter- that I was interacting with on a regular basis in my in my capacity mm-hmm. at Mac Observer and and at conferences. So so I already had a relationship there, but it has grown and flourished in a new way because that's where I. Uh, I work and, uh, you know, philosophically live now too. At the Mac Observer, your family extended to and nibbled into other news sites, journalists, editors, writers, as well as developers. Is the texture of your family changed now that you're simply on the developer side uh, by itself? That's kind of well, a weird question, the, but, but I, I know where you're, you're going with that. Um, Yes, the so my family has grown and evolved over the past year, and uh, uh, the the people that I work with at Smile, every one of them has a special place in my heart too, because I work with an amazing team of people, and what I have found is that because I'm in a place now that has a reach, a scope that goes uh, well beyond the Apple community, that the the people that fall into my extended family oh, has grown. That's what I was getting and, at. Yeah. yeah and, and there's more diversity in that now. And, and by that, I mean... Um, uh, there, there are people in this extended family that that are in, say, the the customer support industry, um, a, as an example, because the the customer support space is uh, is a place where Text Expander has a really good fit. So yeah, that's just one example. So there, there's all these other markets and and uh, spaces that wouldn't have directly been uh something that that I touched when yeah. I was at Mac Observer yeah, but bet. now that that's just part of my my normal world and uh, it it's a lot of fun because now now I have uh new people that I'm meeting all the time and uh, which is not to say I didn't have that before because there, there were always new and interesting people coming into the into the Apple community in various ways. It's just now I, I'm interacting with people from the customer support space, from the the sales and recruiting space, um, from developers still uh, the the legal space. There's the the people that I know in the WordPress community has definitely grown over the past year. And those are just a few examples. Do you find yourself having to be tech deeper on Mac OS and iOS than you ever were before? That would be pretty hard <laughs> because I had to be super deep in all of that all the time. Um, so no, but what I did find is that, um, when I when I became part of the whole text expander thing, I mean, I was already using text expander a lot, and uh, and and I was getting a lot of of productivity back out of that, and so I felt like I was a power user, and then I start working with uh, with everyone here, and 
very quickly realized there were so many things that I could do that I just didn't know. And so that was great to, to be able to start learning all of these other features and become more of a power user. But it also gave me a really nice perspective because I know that there are a lot of people out there that, that are using text expander or, you know, or any other product. It doesn't matter what it is where they feel like they've really got a good handle on it. And then someone shows them a couple things that they didn't know and they feel like they should have. And it's really easy to be hard on yourself about that. So I have a new empathy for that because I get that you can use a tool a lot and have a really good understanding of it. And uh, and at the same time, there can still be a lot to learn. And that's okay because learning's great. Cool. We talked before the show that you have some new hardware that fits in with my next question. Has your workflow hardware had to change? Any new additions? Obviously, it has. Obviously, it has. Okay, so this is one place where uh, uh, Brian Chaffin will try and gloat. And that's okay, Brian, because I love you, and it's okay to gloat. So, uh, Brian and I, went, when I was at Mac Observer, we had this ongoing discussion on uh, Apple Context Machine about the iPad Pro as as a replacement for your mm-hmm. desktop or laptop computer. Mm-hmm. And and so I uh, I routinely after a point I was able to routinely say, look, except for the fact that that I can't really manage a whole podcast from my iPad Pro, this is a this could be a laptop replacement for me. And, uh, you know, and so Brian, you'd say, well, not really because of the podcast thing. Well, that, I mean, that's been addressed with, uh, with new hardware from companies like Rode. So I actually could use an iPad in that way, but, uh, I can't use my iPad as much as I did before. And I can't use it in the ways that I wanted to. So my, my laptop really has become the the more critical part of my, my hardware workflow. And that's because you can't demonstrate text expander on the Mac if you're not on a Mac. You also can't demonstrate text expander for Windows if uh, if you don't have a computer that can run Windows. Mm-hmm. So so my Mac is is very critical for that because I do need to be able to to demonstrate text expander on uh, on multiple platforms and I simply can't do that with my iPad. Um so, so did you get my a new iPad Mac? I did. I'm excited. And, I'm excited. Tell okay. Me okay, so I have the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Oh, oh. and Oh, be still my beating heart. <laughs> and, and I got it um, uh, four days ago. So I've been able to use it for three days now. And um, uh, honestly, I was not planning on this. This this is one of those things that just happened. And Well, it didn't just happen, but it, it just happened. So the backstory is... Uh, I had been rocking my my 2016 Touch Bar MacBook Pro uh, uh, pretty much ever since it came out. I think I got it like a month after it was released in 2016. And uh, the computer, when it worked, was great. 
absolutely loved it. Uh, when it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's the problem when it worked. Uh, I, I was plagued with bad keyboards I know. and, I know. uh, yeah, at, that keyboard was replaced several times. Um, it it went through three logic boards. Wow. Uh, the the last time I had to take it in uh, to get the keyboard replaced, uh, this would have been in the beginning of October. Uh, there, there were so many problems with it that Apple replaced every single piece of the computer except for the fans and the bottom panel where your serial number etched. And then uh, uh, four days ago, so like less than a month after I get my computer back, right about a month after I get my computer back, I'm having keyboard problems again. And uh, and so I went into the Genius Bar, and uh, and I'm like, hey, here, here's what's going on. And this one's really weird because the keyboard and everything else is essentially brand new on this computer. And the guy at the Genius Bar, he he pulls up the work history on uh, on his iPad, and he flicks and flicks, and and he just kept flicking through the list of everything that had been done, and he gets to the end, and he just looks at me, and he says, "This is awful. How can you even work with with a computer that's acting like this?" And uh, and I'm like, well, this is why I keep the 2012 MacBook Pro around because, ironically, it's the reliable computer. Appealing to his guilt. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, yeah, that really sucks. And I don't blame you because of the problems you've been having. So um, he what he told me was, we need to find a solution to this that is going to eliminate this problem where like every three months your computer comes back in for another mm-hmm. repair. Mm-hmm. Can I give you a brand new 16 inch MacBook pro? Oh, wow. So, uh, um, I thought about it for half a second and said, okay. <laughs> On his own authority. He didn't have to go run into a manager or was he a manager? Oh no, he definitely went to the manager and got it approved. And the process it was was interesting because he had to get a manager's approval, and then there's a lot of paperwork. And I'm doing paperwork where some of it's paper, but most of it's digital. When I say that, um, a lot of paperwork to to give me this computer, which totally makes sense because these are not cheap, and mm. you don't want people just uh, like giving out brand new laptops to their friends when they come in the store. So, so the process took about 40 minutes to, to go from, um, okay, we have a computer with, with specs that at least match yours from your old computer. So to the point where they handed me a shrink wrapped box, brand new computer and, uh, and thanked me for being a loyal customer. Nice. Nice. Well, let's talk about this some more. Uh, we'll finish up in the second half of the show. But first, it's time for a short commercial break. Folks, we'll be back in 60 seconds. I'm chatting with Jeff Gamet, Smiles Text Expander Evangelist. Stay with us. Hello there, all you fabulous background mode listeners. 
I'm Kelly Gamont with the Mac Observer, and I just want to say a few words about how you can support all the things we do. If you're thinking about buying something from Apple, Amazon, or Mac Mall, just go to the Mac Observer's homepage where we have a section called Support TMO. Or you can just enter macobserver.com forward slash Apple Store, all one word, and that will take you to our special page for Apple and our other affiliates. If you make a purchase from one of our partners this way, the Mac Observer receives a small compensation for sending business their direction. Pretty cool, right? And you don't pay a penny more. This small fee from our affiliates helps us continue to bring you TMO's daily news, reviews, tips, how-tos, and podcasts like this one. So the next time you're thinking about an online purchase, come to TMO's homepage and support the Mac Observer. Thanks. Back to you, John. Thanks. I'm chatting with uh, Jeff Gamet. So I wasn't planning to ask you more about this because I didn't know you had a new 16-inch MacBook Pro, but let's just finish up real quick with that. How has it okay. been? What do you what do you what do you like about it? How do you feel about it? And how how has been the experience? Well, I know you've only had it a few uh, days. I yes, but it it was uh, given a baptism by fire, so to speak, because uh, I restored my user from Time Machine the that night after uh, after I got it, so that the following morning when I got up, I would just be able to start working at my computer. And uh, w- what I noticed right away is that even though I know this computer weighs more and has dimensions that are slightly larger than the 15-inch the MacBook Pros, it doesn't feel bigger or heavier. And that really surprised me. Now, when I put this in my computer bag, I can tell that it's bigger because it doesn't slide in as quickly as uh, and effortlessly as my old computer did it still fits it's just a little bit bigger um the screen to me is uh is quite the contradiction because it's bigger i know it's bigger i can see it's bigger and at the same time it doesn't feel bigger well you know we didn't go from 15 to 16 we went from 15.4 actually to 16 right right and and the screen is definitely bigger. And if you set a 15.4-inch laptop next to this, when you look at them, I mean, you can tell that the 16-inch screen is a little bit bigger. But when you're just looking at the computer by itself, you look at the screen and your brain says, this screen is bigger, the screen is not bigger. And it's saying it at the same time, which, which <laughs> I'm just finding fascinating. Is that because of the uh, bezel changing? It's probably because of bezel, yeah. 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 Um, the uh, the speakers are are louder, and and they do sound better. So I, I've been very uh, very pleasantly surprised with that. Uh, I did a, a test earlier today with uh, with someone where they had a sixteen inch MacBook Pro, and we did a a video chat, and they used the built in microphone. And I was really impressed with the microphone's quality. Like so much so that at first I thought they were using an external mic, you know, just, just like an average microphone, but not a built-in microphone. So that, that was quite a pleasant surprise. Sounds like Apple did a top to bottom review of the MacBook Pro, its problems and, and fixes. And it looks like they touched just about every aspect of it that was annoying users. I, I think so. Uh, now, interesting for me, 
every person except for you that uh, that's found out that I have the new MacBook Pro, the first question out of their ma- mouth is, how's the keyboard? That was my next question, actually. <laughs> well, I, I knew it was going to come up before. T- <laughs> uh, but see, you, you're just... I mean, you're, you're so analytical and, and you have a process and everyone else just comes at it emotionally. <laughs> and the first thing is keyboard, 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 uh, keyboard, 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 keyboard. It's nice. <laughs> it is. Okay. So <laughs> the 2015 and earlier MacBook pro keyboard, it feels like that and it's quiet and, uh, and it doesn't have that, that, uh, kind of too firm clicky feel, mm. which I know that's totally subjective and, and it's also kind of funny that I prefer that softer feel on this keyboard um, because I type regularly on a Matthias tactile pro, which is mechanical switches, very clicky and very loud. Um, But the, the keyboard, the previous keyboard, besides the fact that it just failed all the time, I just didn't like how it felt. And the, I think the throw was uh, uh, just short enough that I could never get comfortable with it. Uh, but the new keyboard, it feels nice. It It's quiet again. And uh, I, I feel it really made the right choice by, by uh, going back to the old style keyboard. Okay. Well, we're going to have to come to a close on your glorious 16-inch MacBook Pro. Get back to the agenda. Uh, well, okay, so here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the transition with Catalina gone? I'm curious because Catalina's caused a headache for a lot of people. I'm getting a lot of feedback from readers about little things that are really annoying in Catalina. And some writers have observed that this is one of the more difficult transitions for macOS users. How has it been on the text expander side as a, from the developer's perspective? It was a non-issue, like, like seriously. Um, so everyone that's working on text expander is smart and savvy. So the day that the first developer beta was available for Catalina, we were testing text expander that day. And, uh, and it, it was working. So that's great. And I think that says a lot about our, our developer team because they, they get how to write an app so that it's less likely to break. And, you know, and the way text expander works, it's in a, it's, it's in a place in the, in the software world where, you know, it could break if, uh, every time an operating system refresh comes out, it, if it was coded differently than it is. So that's been great. So for, for us, that transition was uh, not painful. It was not a headache. And, uh, you know, we, we were able to do just all kinds of testing because we had so many months, just, just like everyone else. We, we had the same amount of time and, yeah, by the time Catalina was publicly released, we, we had so much testing under our belt that uh, we weren't expecting surprises, and there weren't any surprises for us. You know, when we write about Apple every day and we're exposed to news releases and and activities and commentary and uh, the general, you know, 
kerfuffles in the Apple community, we tend to we tend to form an opinion about how Apple's doing and how they're reaching out and how they're conducting themselves. Now that you're on the developer side um, and you're on the developer receiving end of Apple and its developer relations, has your perception about Apple as a company changed? Because I know a lot of developers have some heartburn about some practices and things they have to go through as developers that we don't see as writers. You know, maybe my my perspective would be different if if I was actually writing code. Um, I, I'm glad that I don't have to write code because uh, while I I respect everyone that does, I, I'm glad they're doing it, not me. Um, so my my take on this comes from you know, being on the inside of the company. So so. I get to see the conversations, some of the conversations about uh, the development process, and then looking at it from the outside at, as the, the public does. And uh, uh, from from the inside, there just weren't headaches. So that that was great. And uh, and uh, and I'm I can't speak to how the development team feels about their relationship with Apple because that's just not something I've been exposed to. Okay. Um, but okay. looking at it from the outside as uh, you know, from the user perspective, um, I think the, the biggest problem uh, is that there just simply has been no way for Apple to effectively communicate to everyone in a way that that all people will pay attention to that there were big changes coming with Catalina and there there are people that that even still we were what two months into Catalina is that right mm-hmm. and I'm still routinely running into people say at meetups that that are shocked when they hear that 32-bit apps aren't supported <laughs> Not surprised. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, and, and then the other thing that I'm seeing as a problem, uh, and, and the joke that I'm seeing going around now is uh, uh, Mac OS Catalina ha- has uh, has a serious case of Windows Vista. <laughs> and, <laughs> and of course, what, what they're referring to are all the permissions that you have to enable right. for applications to be able to do all the things that they want to. And uh, Vista-itis. Yeah. Yeah, and and I sure made fun of Vista back in the day. Like I was making the jokes about uh, Windows has detected that you have moved your mouse. For this change to take effect, your computer needs <laughs> to restart. Click OK to continue. Uh, and uh, and to a degree, that kind of applies right now to Catalina at the beginning. And the the interesting thing for me with that is that when when I see people talking about this that that are like deep into the uh the apple community and uh and are and have been like working with catalina since early betas they a lot of those people they were dealing with this in a non-public sort of perspective and they got to deal with it over several months and uh and then you get these people that are just installing it for the first time. And when I first installed Catalina on my old laptop, you know, and I I have a 34 inch wide display. My display was literally full of dialogues for everything that needed to have some sort of permission set. And, 
And I'm looking at that and I'm like, holy crap, I'm glad that I'm not on a deadline for anything in this moment because I think I've got an hour of of authorizations before I can even pretend like I can do anything on my computer. Um, and, uh, and, and so that was not a good customer experience overall. And at the same time, I now have a, a better appreciation for what Microsoft is dealing with back with Vista, because how do you effectively deal with all of those things that need to have permissions explicitly set? I had an idea. Yeah. An oh, I would love to hear about the pre-flight process where there's an app you run before you even get to do the install. And it munges through your system mm-hmm. and says, I found some files that are out of place. I suggest you move them so that the installer knows what it's doing when it gets to that point. Here are some apps. Break it down into categories like group one, you know, section one, section two. Section two, here's the apps that aren't going to work in this new version of the operating system. Before you do an upgrade, you might want to look for replacements. And then three, we're going to hear the fundamental things that are going to have to happen. You're going to have to authorize this and authorize that. And you're like, here are the duties you're going to have to attend to. Do you still want to proceed with the upgrade? If so, quit the app and do the install. If not, you may have some research to do. That way, everybody who tries to do the installer has to run this pre-flight app. It won't, the installer won't run unless it's been pre-flighted. You know, that's actually really cool. Okay, so now I, I'm I'm just hitting the ground running with your idea. So... Uh, you're, you're ready to install the new version of Mac OS and this pre-flight thing pops up and does its thing. And it comes up with the eight programs on your computer that won't work when you install the new operating system. Plus a bunch it of should stuff. offer. Cause people munch with their computer, yes. they move things around, they do things in unexpected ways. And then the installer runs across these changes, things that the user has messed with and it trips up because it expects to see the operating system in an orderly state. And users tend to be disorderly sometimes. Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. Because we're people and and uh, that's just how it works. Yeah, so what needs to happen is the pre-flight tool needs to uh, give you a way to save that information. So like like send it to your printer or oh, make yeah. a PDF that gets emailed to you oh, yeah. or or save to your desktop and then let you stop. Absolutely. And you get a chance to review it and look at it, size it up and decide whether you want to proceed with the installation. Cause some people think that a Mac OS upgrade is like changing a t- flat tire. And it's more like changing your engine than the computer system. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I like your idea. I, I, I hope Apple steals it. I wrote the article the other day at Mac Observer. Do you still religiously read Mac Observer with your morning coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink coffee. So so in that sense, no, I drink tea. <laughs> Me too. I'm uh, a tea person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yes, I still read Mac Observer. Of course I do. And I have, a, uh, I have to tell you, one of my favorite articles, and this is from several months ago, and uh, uh, it's one that Andrew wrote. And it's where he talked about about five uh, uh, G and uh, Wi Fi and the whole wireless spectrum, and gets into non ionizing radiation and all that. Mm-hmm. That article has been great, and it's been an awesome resource that I have shared with uh, with quite a few people. Cool, that was a good article. I remember that. 
All right. So it was a great article. We're out of time. I have time for one more question. Okay. So as writers, and especially you as a former managing editor, we sort of feel like we have an obligation to dig into and explore every little thing that Apple throws at us. Things like the Apple card, the credit card, and uh, Apple TV+. Plus. Have you had a chance to stay with that process, or do you find yourself drifting away from every little thing that Apple tries to give us because you don't have time anymore? Well, I, I love staying on top of all of that and researching it. It's it, it's part of why I loved what I did for for about twenty years total before uh, becoming Texas Expander Evangelist. Uh, but what has changed is I don't feel the necessity to to buy everything that Apple is releasing now. And uh, that, that the first time I noticed that, uh, it actually caught me off guard and, uh, and I thought, well, wait, have I changed in some way where (laughs) I don't like my Apple gear anymore? And then I realized, no, there were times where I was buying something that Apple was producing, you know, knowing that I'll really be able to use it, but feeling an obligation and which which is totally acceptable because that was part of my job. So of course I had that 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 sense of obligation. And now I don't. Um so uh so like the new AirPods, the AirPods Pro came out. And I love them. And I checked them out and didn't buy them. And it's because my first gen AirPods, the batteries are still fine. And so I decided that uh, when when the batteries really start wearing out on the AirPods, I'll go get AirPods Pro, and th- that will be that upgrade. Um, I didn't get the the new Apple Watch with the always on display because the the features that were added, while I loved, I didn't feel were compelling enough for me to to just get one. Yeah, that's where I am too. I think I'll wait one generation. Yeah, I have an Apple Watch Series Four, and I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I I love my Apple Watch Series Four. I'm about, still using an iPhone Ten. How about Apple TV Plus? Have you seen any of the shows? Okay, that's now. See, this one for me, I'm just finding fascinating because when Apple TV Plus was announced, I was so excited, and now that it's out, I I still haven't gotten around to signing up. <laughs> Higher priorities. But I signed up for Disney Plus. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, and I do have Apple Arcade. Um, and right now, I'm actually thinking about: Do I really need Apple Arcade? Do I use it enough to make it worth uh, worth having? Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. So maybe I'll cancel Apple Arcade and uh, and take that same five bucks a month and and. Uh, and try out Apple TV Plus. It's I mean there's some there's some stuff that that I'm interested in seeing but it it hasn't drawn me in uh the way that that the Mandalorian did okay. where I just really really wanted to see Mandalorian where I'm interested in in seeing um some of the content on Apple TV I just haven't felt a strong need to sign up for it yet. 
Okay, well, yeah, I got a new iPad to replace an old one that was no longer able to run iOS 13, and so I got Apple TV Plus for free. And as I've mentioned on Background Mode with Kelly and Charlotte, I'm enjoying Dickinson and The Morning Show. I just thought of something. Apple is treating this laptop that they gave me as a new purchase because they let me buy Apple Care on it. So maybe I have maybe Apple do. TV Plus for free. About that. Yeah, I should check into that. I will check into that. All right. Well, we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank you so much for sharing your experiences with the transitioning away from 13 years at the Mac Observer and your glorious new life and a year under your belt as Smile Text Expander Evangelist. Fascinating stuff. It's great to hear about your new 16-inch MacBook Pro and your perspectives about the new job. It's been a fascinating tale. Thank you for sharing with us. Well, thank you for for inviting me back on. It's John. Seriously, it's always a treat when I get to to chat with you. It's great to hear from you too. Uh, we'll stay in touch. So, tell the listeners and the uh, Smile customers how they can contact you. Okay. Well, I'm easy to find. You can go to textexpander.com. And, um, oh, and speaking of education, uh, I, I'm doing webinars every month to teach people how to, uh, to, to, to really take advantage of Text Expander's features. They're free, so go sign up. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Jay Gamut. And, uh, and, and even though I have moved to a new career, I'm I'm still in the middle of the podcasting world, so you can find me on a lot of shows. And I will find you again, and we will talk again sometime in the future and invite you back to the show. It's always nice to have you on. That would be awesome. I would love that. All right, folks. You've been listening to John Martellero and Jeff Gamut on the Mac Observer's Background Mode. We'll see you again next week.